I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and the founder of Boldside. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. I'm Emily Bowen. I'm the CEO of Rare Kind. And today is my last episode recording with you. Oh, I think everyone listening right now is like, oh, it's like waiting to go, hang on, what's the date? Is it April Fool's? Is she going to say psych? You know, it's it's not not a a joke. It's not a joke. So Em is leaving my millennial career and it's really sad. When you told me, like, we all know I'm a crier (laughs) and I just sat and cried for ages (laughs) I put my head down on the table and I just waited. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this makes sense. She's going to cry for a long time. Which I did because I love, love doing this podcast with you. And it's like been one of the highlights of my career. Oh, that's beautiful. And absolutely right back at you. And this is one of those scenarios, you know, we're three years in to this thing that we've been building together. It's pretty cool. And you know what? It's, it's an odd thing to let go, finish up, resign from, dare I say, should we start the, the career chat now, when you really love it and you enjoy it, but you just know that it's the right time to close out the year. Oh, all the emotions, all the vibes. Here I am. I'm like, don't get teary. This is the cycle in my mind. And I think the thing is, Em, you're so right. We're, okay, first, we should all say <laughs> we're volunteers. Like, we do this as a love project. But we talk so much on this podcast about these things of like, when do you stay or go? When do you resign? What's your exit strategy? And in anything that you do in your career, it's not going to be forever. No, it's not. But how do you exit well? You're right. And it's been a really funny process for me in the sense that, and look, we won't sort of spend too much time on the embo and counselling session but if I can have a moment have a moment <laughs> so you know I have been I've talked to you guys before about I've been in the same workplace there at Rare Kind for oh I think I'm counting up to the 12th year now right and I'm not that old like I'm old but I'm not that old so that's almost my whole career I haven't had to resign from things many times and um, yeah Shell we're volunteers so we say resign a little bit tongue-in-cheek but what I had to go through in just kind of going like, do I stay or do I go? How do I have that conversation? What does that look like? What does the notice period look like? You know, <laughs> how like, many episodes do I have to do? Yeah. Do I still put in 100% or do I just kind of back it off a little? Because see ya. But it was wonderful for me because it allowed me to reflect. It allowed me to kind of consider, oh my goodness, we talk about these things all the time. And here I am going on my own little journey. And then also... You know, while I think there was a little bit of shock factor, not to put words in your mouth, um, maybe around timing or maybe, you know, you just didn't think that on that Wednesday I was going to turn up and talk to you (laughs) about this. We had had conversations where my ideal, like we always talk about, is not to come in and just like put this massive surprise out there. 
or you know not to have that person that you work with or your boss or whoever it is feel like oh I didn't know you felt like that or I didn't know that was going on for you and so yeah it's been a funny little thing to have that play out for me yeah totally because it was it's all of the things we tell everyone about of how do you do the exit process well what happens when there's a counter offer like me being like what can we do yes. to keep oh you? my goodness the counter offer <laughs> conversation that came in thick and hard and you know two weeks later we're then sitting down again and we know today that we're recording this final conversation and Shell's like okay so before we begin have you changed your mind yet or what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how can you, how can I convince you to stay? Anyway, I think, I think the thing is, I just want to say on behalf of everyone who listens, how much I have learned from you. And I know, you know, thousands of our listeners love your input and wisdom. And so every time I get to sit with you, I'm like soaking in all of your amazing insight. So I've grown so much from you. And I know a lot of our people will absolutely 110% have learned, grown, got a pay rise, got a promotion because of your input. So thank you. And we are going to bloody miss you. And next year we are, we're back on, still doing our community Q&A, our interviews with amazing guests. But Em, I'm just going to miss doing this with you. Oh, I will too, Shell. And my pleasure. And thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to me. Uh, you know, I've had my moments. And you know what? I'm Now I've just got to work out so do I unfollow, block, you know, all that sort of thing across socials? Because I'm sure that we gave that advice once upon a time too. And I just don't know if I can see this thing continue without me. Uh, you know, is it going to be a bad breakup? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think we'll be fine. And I, I'll give you the odd like here and there. Yeah, nice. So let's get into it. Your final hurrah with us. Yeah. So um, also only five-star reviews. Uh, I'm just getting in early on this. When you give us your five-star rating and reviews, that's all I want. Thanks yeah, for this last actually, episode. Actually, <laughs> you know what? Everyone right now, get your phone out. Five-star review because it's M's last episode and we want her to go out on a bang. Totally. We're not leaving that till the end of the oh, episode. Oh, come on. Get on it. Get the phone out. Do it's it. not too much for me to ask, is it? No. That's <laughs> enough about me. Let's answer your questions. All right, we've got a bunch of questions to cover today and we're going to start with Nicole Otto. How to narrow down to a new field when you have no idea what you love or no idea where to start? I almost feel like I have no idea where to start (laughs) here because it's like, yeah, wow, we've got a blank canvas, right? So my mind goes immediately to like process of elimination, get your pen and paper out start to write down like I'm thinking strengths, I'm thinking values, I'm thinking what skills do you already have and we need to work out what's transferable and then we need to start to explore what the options are. But like this is, I guess we're at the top of the funnel here, right? Yeah, it's the deep work that kicks us off. I'd recommend Nicole read Ikigai, which is a great book. We would have talked about it way back in our first series with Ben Carruthers on his episode and it, it helps you to identify what do you love doing? What are you really good at? And what can you get be paid for? And Oh, that's a good one actually. Yep. So how do you merge those three things? So go and read that book. I would start there just to give you some of that space to really get out of. Often we go straight to action mode. Like, okay, I need to figure out what career path and what job titles and all that stuff. No, no, no. Let's go back from there and think conceptually, think big. And so getting those books to help you do that We've also got a book coming out called Sort Your Career Out, which is going to launch in Feb next year. You are going to need to get this book, Nicole, because this is all about how do you make big career changes? How do you figure out what your strengths are and therefore let those inform your next move? 
Totally. I feel like we're, yeah, we're tight, we're right at the top of the decision making funnel because we need to go through that process of like putting all the pieces out there, working out what all those pieces are. Now, once you have done that and you're starting to get a sense for here are my strengths, here are the skills that I have, here are the things that I enjoy doing, here's what, you know, people will pay me for. Uh, Or even if that here's what people will pay me for is still a bit blank. Some of the resources I like to use to then piece it all together are looking at LinkedIn, go searching for what other people's profiles look like, go looking at job ads on Seek, for example, and start to understand what jobs are actually out there. Now, it can be a little bit daunting when you're faced with the search bar and you don't really know what to type in. But the great thing about those platforms is that whatever word you put in the search bar or whatever words you put in there, it will scour the whole profile. It will scour the whole job ad. And so if those things aren't necessarily the title of a job ad, it will still search for them in the body of the job ad and it will still pop up. And you can do a quick flick through the search results and start to see, is there any theme coming through? Is there any common job title or similar job titles that seem to keep popping up? Yeah, that's awesome, Em. And I love that advice around LinkedIn. There's so much good stuff that you can do to get a feel for what those jobs actually look like. And Going back to strengths, we've talked about this so many times, but it's just worth repeating. It's just so important. And Nicole in her question says, I have no idea what I love. I I don't know if we need to figure out what do we love doing. I think we need to figure out what are we good at. Well, they're often correlated. So typically what we're good at, we enjoy. Yeah. So And what we enjoy, we're good at. Well, and so ask people. And often if you haven't worked in a space that you're working in your strengths, you may be feeling like right now, I don't know what I'm good at. And often that's an indicator that you're in the wrong zone. Yeah, it's this whole discovery phase. You're right, let's bring in, you know, those trusted advisors that we have around us, our our close friends, family members, work colleagues who know us and maybe have identified what they see in us that we haven't yet really identified in ourselves or acknowledged, jot them down, see where the themes are. Totally. And the other thing you do if you want data I honestly, I want to like get Gallup to sponsor this podcast because we bang on about them so much. But Clifton Strengths Finder, search Gallup, like Gallup, like G A L L U P. Got it. And then look for Clifton Strengths Finder. And that's their survey. It costs like 30 bucks, I think, to do the top five. Do it. It's worth it. It's such a good investment. It's my favorite, favorite tool for figuring out your strengths. And once you know those, then you can start aligning those to job opportunities that come up. So, Nicole, go and do that first step spend the 30 bucks, totally worth it. And then buy, sort your career out and you could go next year. So we've really, we've jumped around a little bit here, but if you can do that self-exploration, invest in some of those tools that Shelley's just explained, then start to map that to what you can find on Seek and in LinkedIn profiles. If you start to go, okay, that's lovely, but now how do I actually make the change? Again, something like your job ads and your LinkedIn profiles that you're looking at, you don't necessarily need to know the people, just go have a little lurk on their profiles. Have a look at what qualifications and experience is being requested. What qualifications do those people have? You know, what degrees have they done or what study have they done? How long do they tend to spend in certain roles, but also what was the entry level role that they started in and where has that led them? Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. Next question is from Kiara J and she says, what are the pros and cons of taking some time off between a job or career change? Oh, why don't, see, I've not had one of these, but you have had a break break, and you've had a break between somewhat of a career change, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Going from 
uh, HR, internal HR through to starting my own business. Yeah, totally. I took six months off actually and I, that was I think quite a privileged spot to be in so I want to acknowledge that not everyone is in a financial position necessarily to do that but I think taking a break doesn't have to look like six months obviously. Taking a break could look like four weeks. Yeah, totally. Actually there are people who – will resign from a role. So let's say you resign, you give you work out your two weeks notice period and then you run straight into that next job and you get paid out your accrued annual leave. So this is going from a permanent job. Um, do your best, I would say, to use that annual leave as leave after totally. you finish the job that you're exiting. It always – I remember I went from uh, one job – to another. So I'd worked uh, in HR for six years at a certain place and then moved into another HR role. And I had a whole crap load of annual leave that I hadn't taken, like, I don't know, probably like six weeks, got paid out and started the next week. And I regretted that for so long because I was already tired coming into a new job and a new job takes heaps of energy. Like when you get in, and anyone who's just started a new job will know this feeling where you'll feel like you've got the fire hydrant of information. You're just like, drowning in learning and having that space taking at least two weeks off if you can get that do it and and you know what when you are starting a new job you're in a really good point to negotiate so if I was sitting down with a person offering me a job now I'd be saying hey no worries that's fine when do you want the role to start and they'll be like ASAP because they always are like yesterday yesterday I've heard that one before <laughs> that always happens so say to them I really, it's really important to me to have a couple of weeks uh, off to make sure I make that transition really effectively. And when I start, I'm really able to give it all of that focus and take two weeks if you can, if you, I think it's really important. Yeah, because if we use your example, Shell, let's say, you know, that's six weeks leave. That probably means that you, if you're accruing about four weeks leave a year, you probably haven't had a holiday in the last 12 to 18 months. Yeah. And if you're about to run into get paid that out and then run straight into your new role, it will take you a reasonable amount of time to accrue more annual leave to be able to take a holiday. So you then start to rack up the like two-year mark before you've got enough leave accrued to be able to take a decent one or two-week break. And I think it's just starting from a place of fatigue. So we don't want to do that. So Kiara, absolutely take two weeks off before starting a new job, if you're having a big career change, bigger breaks are helpful. So if you can financially afford to do that, take a break, like a chunk of time. For me, it was a game changer. It really, it was challenging because I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? But it's one of those things when you're in a really steep learning curve, it will feel very uncomfortable. And that's how I felt when I was on that break. I felt like, but I resisted the urge to jump into the next thing and actually take the time to assess what is the right next move for me? What does that look like? And I really knew that I needed to give myself deep thinking time to make a wise decision. And trust that there will be a job there for you. There'll be an opportunity there for you when you're ready to return. Like you will get a job. Uh, hey, we should talk about the cons because we've really spruiked this idea. But Kiara's question does ask for both pros and cons of taking time off between jobs and career changes. I think we're both probably such strong advocates for it that it's going to be difficult to come up with cons, but maybe it's things like you're not earning an income. So could it mean that there's another goal that's perhaps more directly attached to your finances that 
ta- ends up taking a little longer. Mm. Maybe maybe it's things like that. Yeah, and I guess and a con could be if you're wondering how a new a prospective employer might perceive that career break. Yeah. So it may be yep. weighing up, okay, well, how would I communicate that? And a lot of employers now are really, really open to this idea that we take career breaks when we're having those changes in our uh, life. We People travel around Australia, they go overseas for extended periods. So we've seen a lot more of that. And even on LinkedIn, you can put in a career break now into your profile, which is awesome. So we're normalizing this idea but a con might be well then how do I tell someone about that will they think that I'm I've just had six months off to and I'm being lazy or something so that I don't know that it's necessarily a con it's more just a a, something you'll have to think about how do you communicate it yeah and have your nice narrative around that in a really succinct way another way to think about it in this situation, I guess Kiara is saying job slash career change, um, you know, taking some time off before the job slash career change. If it's a change, maybe you're having a break from turning up to work each day, but you're still, you know, engaged in some study or doing some pre-work for that job or career change. Yes, that's so good. So you might not need to go like full nil out, zero, do nothing, lounge lizard mode. You might be able to go, I'm going to take a break from like my, my my routine that I have known and this, you know, job responsibility that I have known and I'm going to do some stuff on my own time to serve me that will still serve my career in the future and particularly in the context of a change. Yeah, that's really, really helpful. All right, we're going to go to a break. Yeah, speaking of career breaks, we'll take a podcast break, hey? <laughs> there we go. Nice segue. I know. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, we've got an anonymous question. Hey guys, I've finally decided on a new career path and I'm going to study at TAFE in that field. Because I've never studied anything before, how important is it to choose the right provider? Do employers really look where you've studied? You know what I like about this question? Well, there's a lot, but one thing I like is we haven't been asked it before. So that's pretty cool. Uh, And I'm sure you're not the only one out there, Anonymous, that is wondering this. In my experience, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What would matter is you making sure that the quality of learning and the quality of the course and maybe the quality of delivery, so 
whether it's, you know, online, do they have a really wonderful like online platform? Are the the teachers really skilled up in how to deliver content in that distance type of way? I'd certainly want to make sure that you had a really great learning experience, but as far as whether or not employers are going to question it, if you've got TAFE versus another institution on your resume, not in my experience, no. I think it's the same for unis. Like if you studied at Sydney Uni versus Monash or RMIT, whatever it is, I don't think it's important so much as it is the, did you get the qualification at the end of it? Yeah, no worries. It's kind of that thing of like when you're at uni and, or studying, you think that your grades, someone's going to ask about your grades. And I remember that when I was studying and I was really obsessed with like getting a good grade and literally no one has ever asked me ever. No. And the other thing is there's no rule on your resume that you must pop down the institution that you studied at. And actually, if you're looking for space on your resume, I wouldn't include that. I would just pop down that you've done the degree or the qualification, whatever it is without any of the extra detail. Totally. I think you're so right, Em, about focus on the delivery, focus on the learning experience, get a sense of that. That's the most important thing. Yeah. I know when I've weighed up in the past where to study, I've also looked at what are the course offerings and that can be anything from does the timetable suit me to, you know, sure, you might think a degree is like for like or a qualification is like for like, but in my experience, um, so real life example, I went back to do some grad study in psychology and some universities, it felt like it was much more science heavy than other universities where maybe they had more of an organizational psychology style of offering in the the courses that were available at times that suited me. So you can also have a look at that and make sure that lines up. All right. Next question, M. do you want to read it out? I think this is our last question. It is our last question. And it's another one from Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. Anonymous. I'm calling out to any ex-teachers to ask what industries or roles you've moved into post-working in education. I'm an early career high school teacher who is already reaching the brink of burnout and feeling negative about our education system currently. I'm approaching my 30s and I don't think I can keep going the way I am and I'm seriously contemplating a change, but I'm feeling too old to change careers and industries and not qualified to pursue anything else. I feel like I'm at a juncture and there's no way out. I love working with people and feeling like I'm making a difference, but I don't know what else I could do with my skill set. Any advice would be appreciated. Oh, I feel this on a deep level, this question. And I think it's because I can hear in the question the burnout. Yeah. And that sense of, it's almost like you can't see the forest through the trees. And I feel sad for this person because what happens when you're burnt out is you really question your own confidence and capability. And so I would just encourage you, anyone in this same spot, but especially the people in teaching, and this is happening so much, we're seeing people leave the teaching industry because they are so exhausted, especially after the last few years. So, oh, we just really empathise with you in how challenging it's been. And I just want to say, allow the space to process the burnout first before you jump into the career change, like give yourself the breathing space. And I know it's hard to do because when you're in that environment, you're like, I need to actually find that next income stream, the next move. Use, we're coming up to the end of the year. We're about to hit holidays. Use these holidays to rest and know that your confidence will recover as you get through that burnout stage. Yeah, you're right. The other thing that can happen when you're feeling that sense of burnout is it feels like time, like there's this sense of urgency 
and that you haven't got time, which is really hard because then you're trying to think and you're like, I can't think because I'm burnt out and where's the clarity? You know, you don't have that same clarity. So I would even encourage if you can, you're right, Shell, the end of the year is coming up, try and have a period of time where you completely tune out from your work and give yourself that space. So don't even put the pressure on yourself to be researching opportunities for a career change or what could suit you. Don't go to Googling, how can I, you know, change jobs from being a teacher? Just yeah. just nothing for a period and then go from there. Oh, you are spot on. The best advice I got when I was going through a period of burnout, took a chunk of time off work, was have no expectations. Yeah, that's a much better way of putting, I think, what I was trying to say because I was visualising as I was speaking like being on the beach. Well, you know what I did was I would go down to the beach every day and that was pretty much for for about 12 weeks what I did most days. It was over summer so it was good timing. But I want to say to you, Anonymous, that give yourself the space to have no expectations. Often why we get into burnout is – People who burn out are high achievers, they're goers, they make things happen and they've always had very high expectations of themselves. And so you get into this zone of all of a sudden I'm, my body is not doing all the things that I expect it to do in the way that I would expect it to do it and it's turn off that expectation for a bit. Give yourself the breathing space and the room to recover and once you've done that process – then we can start to make those decisions and we can make them from a healthy spot, not a place of fatigue. Yeah, and I love that you have called out to, I know this question has come through the Facebook community group, My Millennial Money, where we collect all of our questions about the My Millennial podcasts and we ask them of each other and we get the answers from others who have walked in our shoes before. And I love that you have asked, you know, hey, ex-teachers, help me out here. What have you done? What have you experienced? What has worked well for you? So, Shell, I'm probably hesitant to really directly answer, you know, what roles have you moved into post-working in education because you and I haven't done that sort of career change. So we might leave it to our uh, our community to help out on that part. But the advice we absolutely can, I guess, offer and in many ways comes from personal experience but also having learnt of the experiences of others over many years, it is the, the no expectations. Yeah, that's right. And go back and listen to that burnout episode we did a while ago. I think that's going to be a really helpful process to go through and really understand, I guess, the impacts. But then what do you do as you move through that journey and process? Actually, that's such a good point. I'm just doing that thing where I'm like tacking on. But you know what? This is the last time I have the microphone, so I will do it. Uh, Learning about burnout, that was a really valuable thing for me because I didn't – I'd heard of burnout, but I didn't necessarily personally self-recognize until after I'd had sort of my first – uh, attempt at burnout. <laughs> uh, one of two it ended up becoming two. Look, I, I went through it and I kind of went, oh, wow, I'm learning. Actually, that I think that's what happened. And then just doing some reading, doing some listening, doing some chatting with other people and coming to really understand that, that's been a tool that has been really useful for me, that understanding. And I, I would encourage you to do the same. So whatever you do end up deciding with your job or career change, because you're an overachiever, we know it, you are high risk burnout. Let's not let it happen again. Um, albeit, as we said at the start, you know, teachers, nurses, oh, just hats off. Yeah, totally. You are amazing. Yep. All right. Hey, that wraps up our questions. Now, one final thing bonus. 
I want to ask you as your final episode the rapid fire questions Ooh. that we sometimes ask oh our my guests. Goodness. Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot. Right. Now Hang she's on. getting nervous. Oh. Okay. So I'm going to ask you three. Sit up straight for this. Sit up straight. Get ready. Three rapid fire questions because, you know, we're going to go out on a bang. Number one, what is the best or worst career advice you've ever received? Okay. I'm going to go best because it comes to mind most quickly for me. And, you know, let's be optimists and let's, you know, leave it on a positive, nice high. The best career advice I've ever received or that thing that just sticks with me and I keep coming back to and I I feel myself saying to other people and being, you know, like that old lady that's trying to hand out advice to younger young people. (laughs) Uh, It would be that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. Oh, and it's, it ties in perfectly to that burnout conversation we were just having. And funnily enough, that's around the time that I started to receive that advice. So I received that advice from my boss at the time, um, still a mentor to me, still in the same organisation. I've just kind of gone, gone and done other things. So um, he's not stuck with me every day, but he would remind me often that our careers are a marathon and not a sprint. And I heard it and I believed that I was listening well and I was taking it on board and I was going sure for a really long time before it actually hit home and actually started to show up in the way that I was approaching work and now it really does sum up how I approach work. Um, I, I really enjoyed learning about energy at the time so you know what is your personal energy what do you need to do to renew that how do you maintain that and protect that and that's a bit of a secret weapon for me these days and I think it will continue to be and it's also something that when I'm I'm observing others. I just have ringing in my ears. Okay, Em, what's been your biggest learning or fail at work? Oh, biggest learning or fail. Oh, I probably try and block out the fails, don't I? So let's think of them as learnings. This is something that I would like to think I would have done anyway in my career, but I actually probably need to give credit to the culture that I'm a part of. And that is this idea of transparency. So I, you know, this is a bit of a love fest, um, but we're keeping it positive. I'm really lucky that the culture that I've been a part of for this, you know, the 20, like my 20s and coming into my 30s is one that values transparency hugely. And as I said, I, I, I hope that I would be that person anyway, but I know for certain that I've learnt how to be transparent. I've really learnt how to show up and have conversations in a way that is early that is open and honest and bold and really human. And then I do my best to encourage that and bring that out in other people. So I'm, I'm going to say that is my biggest learning. There would definitely be times where I've probably, you know, early on might have um, connected that with some fails and, and sort of learnt along the way. But a lot of that learning has really come from that culture, I guess, and seeing it play out and going, oh, that works really well and then practising it and getting more comfortable with it. I you know, the thing I've learned from you and your career has been you've found yourself in roles where you grow. Like you've been in this place of I'm in a business where I can grow and the business grows with me. We've, and, and I love seeing that about you. And so it, I think that's a really key thing for our careers for anyone is find yourself in a dynamic in a workplace where you can grow. Because I think about all the learnings you've had. One's been from an amazing manager and leader who's helped you so much in your career. One's been from the culture and the environment you've been in Mm. and that's helped you to learn a lot and actually have the permission to fail. That's right and that's why I probably, uh, you know, I've had this little, as as I've been answering this question, as you are asking it, almost like this little flashback 
over the last 10 plus years where I'm, I'm thinking of these moments where I mucked up and I made a mistake and I was like, you know, oh crap, what have I done? And, and the stakes have gotten higher as my roles have changed. And so the level of responsibility that I've had has increased. And I made a mistake. I failed. Um, I try not to use that word because I probably take a little too personally myself, beat myself up a little too much on the fail piece. But I made a mistake only in the last four months or so that felt like it was a pretty big one. And it had come out of, you know, not having made anything, made a mistake that big for a long time. And, you know, I was pretty hard on myself about it. I then had the conversation and had to have the conversation with multiple people who are like senior leaders in the business that I'm a part of, external advisor to be like, uh oh. And credit to them, it was okay. Like, yeah, not ideal, but okay. And so much of that came from having practiced open, honest, transparent, vulnerable conversations and being like, here comes another one. And learning how to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. In a really, you know, take ownership. And I, this is like, all right, because you know, I love you so much. The thing that I love that you've taught me in this three years, we've been doing this bad boy of my millennial career has been don't ruminate on the failure. Reflect on it. Genuinely say, I'm sorry and move on. Yeah. I, I had to learn uh, myself and, and long-time listeners will have heard me talk about this. I have learned how to reflect rather than ruminate. Oh, you're, Absolutely. You've become a master <laughs> at it and I think it's a really, really critical strength to learn in your career because you're going to have fails. You're going to have those moments that are really tough. As long as we can go and healthily reflect genuinely say we're sorry to the people that need to hear it and then we go I'm learning from this move on yeah totally it's taking ownership it's really powerful how's the rapid fire question for like five minutes but, but we're also, nearly done I think you know of me you ask me a simple question <laughs> and I'm like total introvert deep thinker just dive that's why right we in. love you like, that is why we love you, <laughs> you the deep get away that easy the deep insights um last one what do you know now that you wished you knew in your early 20s you make me sound so old, Shell. How uh, old are you? I'm 32, actually. Yeah. And I'm okay about it. Yeah, I actually love my prime. 30s. I think that's fine. Yeah, there's no problem. However, it is a bit odd when you start to be like a decade ago, you know, early 20s and it was a decade ago and you also had a bit of career before that. Uh, what do I wish I knew then that I know now? The power of relationships. Ooh. Which I didn't expect myself to say. You've put me on the spot and I've just found that and I've pulled it out and it's because I was picturing myself in my early 20s and what I prioritised, which is like my natural inclination to be a task-orientated person and go, go, go and perfectionism and like if you can't keep up and you can't do it this well, like I'm not the best, right? I'm not but I will run hard at things and I know I'm not the only one out there that's like that and it caused me to learn a lot over the over my 20s because – I didn't deprioritize, well, sorry, I didn't actively deprioritize or sabotage relationships, but I did not prioritize them to the point that I was maximizing the value in the short and long term. And I've learned that over time. And now they are, they are what gets me by every day, relationships. Ooh. And not just gets me by, they make me successful. Yeah. Yeah. My eyes are lighting up. I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, you know, it's funny because our biggest learnings come out of, I mean, we know we talked about failure, but our biggest learnings come out of the fails. Yeah. Like I've learned for me 
to love the word fail because I feel like anytime I have that, I'm in that big learning zone and that's the best place for career growth. That's the best place for finding those successful moments. So I love that I can see you, I can envision you as a 23-year-old, go, go, go. And now looking back and thinking, actually, those things matter. Delivering and executing is such a good and crucial skill that will get you really far, but relationships will get you further. Totally. And I had the the dosage, which was my natural inclination, in a in a sort of, you know, one dialed up, one dialed down in a way that I've now flipped the switch on. And there's so much more we could talk about on that. And you know, and what? we will because one we'll, day we will. Yeah, totally. Whether or not it be recorded, we'll see. Uh, because yeah, thanks for those questions. That oh, was a really lovely way to end. Beautiful. And thank you. Hey, bloody love you. Love oh, this love podcast you, we've, we've done here. And uh, we'll be back next year. Look a little bit different because we'll miss our M Bowen, but we'll be uh, talking all things career in the new year. Totally. I will be tuning in and seeing what I can continue to learn as well. And if I ever need any career advice, I'll be in the Facebook community group going, guys, help, because I do not get my weekly therapy sessions anymore (laughs) on the podcast. I'm going to need to dive in as a listener. Love it. Hey, thanks for listening. Talk soon. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.